With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. William Nylander is a no-show this year. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Right, we are back. Episode 9 of the Talking Buds podcast. Another celebratory episode. The Leafs defeating the Boston Bruins 4-2. We just got finished watching it. Thank you for downloading and checking out the show. As always, I'm Rob and he's Ryan. Yes, another celebratory episode. I feel like this is getting a habit for us. Like We're always getting on here after a big win. It's, it's kind of nice. This is the all positivity Leafs podcast, Ryan. Honestly, like if you're just if you're just looking for straight optimistic takes, you might as well just come here, which in the past people would usually say we're pretty negative, but since this is our first year doing the pod, everyone just thinks we're super positive. So it's kind of nice. All right, so let's get into it. We'll go we'll kind of brush over the previous week since we did our last show, but let's let's get into tonight cuz tonight Going into it, many people build this as, quote-unquote, the most important game of the season. I had a hard time sort of feeling that way because simply because both teams are not at full strength. Both teams missing key players on each side. Another, And it's also late November. Like, that's a little early to be calling something the biggest game of the year. However, Ryan, if you look at the Atlantic Division standings, it is a pretty big game. The Leafs... Four points up on the Bruins, sitting at third in the Atlantic Division. The Bruins sitting in fourth. So this this game had some, there was there was some importance to this. I think. Yeah, we were all expecting a a logjam of three teams, three teams fighting for a position. But so far, it's four. So yeah, these games are important. But I don't think stating that a game in late November is the most important game of the year. I think that's a bit of a overreaction it was also patty marlowe's 1600th game any comments on that yeah just super impressive got a big standing ovation there's only 11 guys in history to do that so regardless of how you think he's playing or what type of hockey player he is super impressive stat you got to be healthy for a lot of your career to get to that point and play a lot of years so he seems like a super cool dude. All the guys love him. Dermot said in the intermission interview that he's definitely the coolest guy in the dressing room. So take that for what it is. Patty Marlowe, congratulations, buddy. So the Leafs started this game like a house on fire. Marner with a big key chance on a three-on-one. Kadri had three wide-open chances, missed on all three. 
Travis Dermott finally pots one with 216 left to play in the first period. So you're feeling pretty good going into the first intermission. Leafs up one nothing, but they really dominated the pace of play. They come out in the second. The resident Leaf killer, David Pasternak, scores his first of two goals to tie the game up. Ryan, this guy looks like he ha- is having the most fun he's ever had in his life every single time he plays the Leafs. Yeah, he is their biggest killer. And coming into tonight, I was pretty happy that Patrice Bergeron wasn't in the lineup because usually I think Bergeron is the biggest Leaf killer of all because of everything he does on the ice, winning draws, probably the best face-off man of this era of the NHL. He's also super dynamic offensively with those two guys on his wings. So I was pretty happy he wasn't in the lineup. They're also missing Chara. They're missing McAvoy. They're pretty depleted. And Tuka Rask didn't play tonight, even though he's back now. I thought Yara Holak played pretty well for them, to be honest with you. But David Pasternak, this guy is just, there's, there's no quit in his game. He's always on the puck. He's always ready for an offensive scoring chance. And he murders the Leafs. He is a scoring machine. Yeah, he, he you can tell, like, he's, he looks, like I said, he looks like he's having the best time of his life when he's out there playing against them. He... Every single time they play him, he just, he's got, the Leafs ended up winning 4-2. Pasternak gets both the goals. The other two Leaf goals coming from Igor Ozhiganov on a beauty feed from Mitch Marner. We talk week in and week out about Marner, but Ozhiganov tonight in the right place, right time, pots one. And then, so the Leafs come out to start the third period up 3-2, and they kind of, I felt in the third ride, they played like a really reserved sort of defensive game, trying to protect the lead and sort of held on by a thread. Freddie made some big saves for them until Hyman got the empty netter with a couple of minutes left. And you know what? You're right. There's going to be asterisks because the Bruins were missing some of their top guys and Bergeron and such, but it's a big, it's, it's, it's a big win to get against a team that is, pretty much dummied you earlier in the year and eliminated you from the playoffs last year, embarrassed you in the seventh game. Well, two points is two points, and it's not just Boston who's depleted. It's, look at our team. We're missing two of our best players who were supposed to be in the lineup, guys we projected to be in the lineup. They're not in the lineup, and they haven't been in the lineup for a long time, and the Leafs have done pretty well, racked up a bunch of wins without them. So in the regular season, unless you're missing your your number one goalie, um, it's not, you can win, you could still win if you have the depth and you have the skill players to pull it off. I thought Boston tonight, I, one thing I noticed about the Bruins is they are so good at just being ready to shoot the puck. No quick turnover in the Leafs end. Someone gives the puck away. Marshawn gets the puck. He turns around and there's Pasternak ready to go in the slot with a one timer. They're super dangerous and we had the conversation a couple weeks ago about who we would rather play in the playoffs. And after watching tonight, the depleted lineup, I just think the, the Bruins scare me, man. I, I'm not sure. I said I said I'd rather play the Bruins because you got to shut down that top line. And tonight showed you that Pasternak was the only guy who scored. Maybe they're just a little top heavy. But, man, that top <laughs> is so dangerous, and they do serious damage. So maybe my mind's starting to change a little bit on that take. Anyway, before we move on from the Bruins in tonight's game, I want to talk a little bit more about David Pasternak. He was asked today during the game day skate about his own contract. 
with respect, obviously, to William Nylander, because apparently he and Nylander are buddies. And I'm paraphrasing here, but he was asked, you know, do you ever look back on your contract with any sort of regret or remorse or whatever? Pasternak makes $6.67 million a season. And Pasternak, very, in a very humble way, was like, no, if, if you'd told me when I was 15 that I'd be making $6 million playing hockey, I, I wouldn't have believed you. It just seemed like genuinely happy to be where he was at. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the, that's, it's all over Instagram and social media if you want to go find the actual clip. But that's essentially what he said. And what I took from watching that was, man, here's a guy who, and this is where Nylander is going to run into trouble. And we'll get into Nylander later. We've got lots to talk about with Nylander, but this is where I think Nylander has run into a bit of trouble with the fans and he's going to have to do this sort of PR when he comes back. I just thought it was a really like earnest sort of like honest, genuine, humble answer to that question. And I was really impressed. Yeah. He almost sewered his buddy. Like I know him and Nylander are good buddies. I think they played together in the Swedish league when they were younger. That's why they're so close and they were, two of the most skilled players in that league at a young age. So they've always had a, a good connection and they've always had a good rivalry playing each other. But for for PR purposes for William Nylander, that, that comment, it's like, here's a guy, they showed on the broadcast tonight, players in the National Hockey League who scored the the percentage of goals for their team this season. And David Pasternak is first in that category. He's, he's scored 26% or around there of Boston's goals this season. And here's a guy who's talking about something we've been talking about forever, a contract. And this is his comparable. This is the guy everyone's comparing Nylander with. And he's out here in Toronto saying, I don't regret this contract. I would sign it today, tomorrow, whenever. I just want to play hockey. I thought this was a good deal at the time. I took it. Now that I took it and I'm being this successful, I am not going to regret it because if we found out we were going to make $6 million playing in the NHL, we would all be pumped. So I really liked that comment. That's super honest and a guy who's just super humble. And you saw tonight, this guy's a hell of a hockey player. Hell of a hockey player. I would take this guy on my hockey team any day of the week. He is He's arguably one of my favorite hockey players to watch in the NHL in today's age. Even though I can't I can't stand the Bruins watching them because of the the rivalry, the history and all the emotions of playing them brings up in you, but watching this guy play hockey, I am a huge fan and just hearing those comments, it just you're like, "Willie, you're just a you're an idiot." Like you're just you look like an idiot now. I know there was a huge scrum around Pasternak today and that's what that's what happens when you show up in Toronto and you're friends with the guy and even I saw on Twitter someone tweeted that Jake DeBrusque was in the locker room being like holy this is savage going around this guy and asked him all these questions but his comments really just kind of validate all our opinions and the fact that this guy might be getting a little too greedy well speaking of greedy Ryan and I do some, believe it or not, the Talking Buds listeners will probably be shocked to hear this, but Ryan and I actually do some show prep before we get on here and start recording. And you actually have listed here that Pasternak, Bergeron, and Marshawn all make between six and seven million. 
So there's your top line right there. That's incredible. Yeah, and all we, what have we done all year? Contracts, contracts, contracts. That is the theme of this year. We are just talking contracts from beginning to end. And here's a hockey team who are our rivals, who we are scared to play against. And they have a top line who is just as dangerous or more dangerous than any other first line in the National Hockey League. And we always talk about how important it is to get guys out of the cap at good numbers to fit everyone in. You need depth. And here's the best line in the National Hockey League, or arguably one of the best lines, at the most affordable contracts for for elite hockey players or very good hockey players. And what that does is leave them so much room to add around them. That's why their D is a little more stacked up than the Leafs, even though I think McAvoy is still on his his entry level, so he doesn't really count against that. But I just seeing that and the numbers that they're at really makes you think like we we might be in trouble because Boston's they they're getting some younger players too, and their first line's just as dangerous as ours. So. Once we're squeezed under the cap next year, this team's going to be nice and free swimming along because their top guys are at those numbers. And I just found that extremely interesting when I saw it. I mean, is there something about the Boston area that makes you want to take a hometown discount? Because you look at Tom Brady. Like, is there something about that area that just... I mean, I know it's I know what it is about that area. All that city does is win championships, so... Yeah, win, 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 win. It makes me sick. I even <laughs> see you know, what I saw a gray cup. And no no offense to the Toronto Argos and the CFL, but like I haven't seen You saw it, Ryan. The, nothing. The TFC won the MLS Cup. I you know, I was happy for TFC. I, yeah. I know I have a couple buddies who are diehard TFC guys. Oh but, no, I'm not downplaying it at all. I'm yeah, but you know, but like this city is based on the big three and I know us football fans would love for there to be a four with an NFL team but that's probably never gonna happen but we're just dying for winning here we're dying for parades for the baseball team for the basketball team for the hockey team and watching the Bruins and the Red Sox and the Patriots it's just this city gives me an absolute headache and again you're watching them tonight and you're like this is a depleted lineup and they are literally like, like moments away from tying this hockey game, potentially winning this hockey game. Like it, they, they, they're, they're just killers. All right. I think we've pretty much dissected this Boston game from head to toe. So let's just brush over the last week. We record last time we recorded was last Wednesday. Since then, there was a f- really disappointing five, two loss of the Carolina hurricanes Ooh, yikes. That first period, man, that was arguably one of the worst first periods I have ever watched. I believe they were close to setting the record for the amount of shots in a period, and that was was just a hockey. They were not ready to play that night. Well, they were coming off four straight wins, so they were kind of due for a mulligan. And they never play Carolina very no, well anyway. No, Friday Friday night's game in Columbus was a game. I don't think they played that badly. I'm kind of with Babs. I thought I thought they deserved a better outcome. So, again, you just lost to a good team. We saw Columbus twice last week. There's a team that you don't want to run into in the playoffs either, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, they're a big, they're a big boy team. Yeah, they're a big boy team, and they played pretty well, and the Leafs won that game. And then it kind of rolls reversed. 
Uh, Leafs play a good game, and then Columbus. Columbus is good, man. Like that. That's just a game that happens. You're gonna lose those hockey games sometimes. And then on Saturday night, the Maple Leafs absolutely toyed with the god awful Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, that was ugly, man. Andreas Janssen gets his first career NHL hat trick in the first period. The Leafs embarrassed the Flyers so badly that Ron Hextall was relieved of his duties this morning. Yeah, <laughs> Philly, man. That they're, they're, they're uh, it was one of those hockey games where like <laughs> You want the Leafs to win, and you're always cheering for the Leafs. But honestly, I was feeling bad for for Calvin Pickard and and all the like. You're a hockey team. You're on the bench, and this goes back to my point a, a week or two ago when I said that all the coaches that have gotten relieved of their duties so far this season all have awful goaltending, and Ron Hextall fell victim to that too. Team can't stop a puck. Yep. So he gets canned, no. and they have one of the best goaltending prospects in the National Hockey League in Carter Hart. But he's like a young man. I think he's 20 or in his early 20s, and he didn't want to bring him up, and he ultimately lost his job because of that. And they're a sad hockey team. Watching that game, man, I, I almost felt bad for them. Well, they were just the right team that the Leafs needed to come in here after losing two in a row. Because that helped them get their swagger back, which led into the game tonight against Boston, where I thought they started really strong. So it's been a good week, and they've dropped a little bit in their division, but they're still one of the top teams in the NHL. So it's November, so we're just going to keep rolling along. Yeah, the thing I've noticed about the Leafs so far this season is like, Everything on paper, I know we, we don't sit and analyze the, the Corsi and Fenwick, but I feel like it's still important to like integrate some statistics that can stand out. And the Leafs, for me, show that they're a great hockey team because pretty much in every category, they're sitting in like the top 10 range. Their power play has been struggling a lot lately, but they had such a good start that they've kind of stayed at top, that top 10 list and power play. But what do you think about the defensemen this year and them as a unit and and how much they have improved? Do you think they've even improved at all? I want to get your opinion on this before I weigh in. I think going into the playoffs, I'm still going to be nervous about it because they just don't have the talent back there still. They still are not talented enough. They're still missing, in my opinion, another... Uh, Morgan Riley has proven himself to be a number one or two defenseman so far this season. They're missing another guy of that caliber back there, which I think come playoff time is going to make me a little nervous. Having said all that, I think they've definitely improved from where they were last year. Systematically, they're not, like they don't run around as much. They protect Anderson a little bit better. And that's, credit for that goes to the serial winner, DJ Smith the Maple Leafs defensive coach, and Babcock. I just think that they've done a better job this year realizing, and maybe because they had an offseason, because the defense really didn't change that much from last year. Like, Polak's gone and Ojeganov's in. Yeah, you basically just replaced your bottom pair. That's all they did. Yeah, so maybe they had a full offseason to kind of scheme a better defense. But I definitely think they have improved, and I think... Like I said, I don't. It's I don't sit there game in and game out going, oh my god, they're just an 
absolute tire fire in their own zone. Like I don't, I don't do that as much as I did say last year, but the lack of talent back there does concern me heading into the playoffs. And if they're going to go on a run in the playoffs. Yeah. I think it's the lack of like, we always talk about their team toughness. And I, I worry about that more on D than I do on the forward group, because when there's guys in front of Frederick Anderson poking away and trying to get in his head, there's not a lot of dudes on their back end who can step in there and, and, and move a couple guys in front of their net. So that's what I worry about the most, but I just see improvement because you look at where they're at in the league and in goals against they're they're coming into the night. They're the fifth best team in the NHL on goals against. And I'm sure if you told someone that who, wasn't aware of that stat, they'd be like, huh, okay. And then I'm starting to connect the dots too, because tonight on the broadcast, they said the Leafs have been shorthanded the least amount in the NHL, and they've been on the power play the least amount in the NHL. So I feel like not being shorthanded so much probably affects that too, because your chances of giving up a goal on a, on a, on a penalty kill or the other team's power play it increases your chances of giving up goals. But I was surprised by that stat. And I feel like this year, I really noticed in the Columbus game too, even though they lost that game, that their ability to make a stretch pass, they've always been a stretch pass hockey team. We've always talked about that. Run and gun, stretch pass. But oh, Dermot, Dermot laid a beauty on Nazem Kadri tonight in the first period. And see, and that's the difference because Travis Dermot, just being on that third pair, he... Him over Connor Carrick or Rowan Polak, like that's to me, that's a huge skill jump for them. Travis yep. Dermott is way more skilled than those two guys. Yep, and that's a big, big time. He's upgrade. affecting that. Igor Oshaganov, we we always want guys to be we always want a good stay-at-home defenseman. And this guy, you want a stay-at-home defenseman? This guy is the definition of a stay-at-home defenseman. His goal tonight, he missed the net. And it somehow went in. <laughs> Yeah. Don't forget <laughs> that puck was going wide, but yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I know, but I just think their ability to actually execute the stretch pass this season is the difference between them giving up so many goals and them getting so many goals because they're actually executing it this year and they're actually getting the puck out a little quicker than they used to. And you look at Ron Hainsey. We some people are on Ron Hainsey. The guy is plus 14 plus 13 on the season and well he's playing his the fact that he's playing with Riley helps yeah and he's he and but even just seeing that stat like whatever you want to think about that stat whether it's important or not but that it jumps out at you when you look at it and I was just I'm pleasantly surprised about the numbers and trying to watch the game a little closer uh play by play trying to understand how they are getting the puck out and how their systems work. I think they have shown a little bit improvement. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for downloading the show. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and tune in. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate all the support. Thanks. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. So, 
I think you'd agree with me here, Rye, that through the first quarter of the season, one of the most surprising things across the league has been the emergence of the Buffalo Sabres. They are a legitimate threat in the Eastern Conference and in the Atlantic Division. They're tied with the Leafs at 34 points, sitting one behind the Lightning, who are again leading the division. Did you see this coming? Uh, Nobody saw this coming. The Leafs haven't played them yet. The first time they play them is next Tuesday. What is it about Buffalo this year that has made them a legitimate force in the East? I think it's several things. And I think they have learned a lot from watching the Leafs rebuild. And before the Leafs or when the Leafs drafted Matthews, remember we were saying, uh, oh, Buffalo's a year or two ahead of the Leafs in the rebuild. And we were expecting them to take that next step, but they were the same old Sabres and stunk. But they have their number one center, Jack Eichel, who's healthy, who's playing well. They finally have a goaltender who can make a stop for them. And we have talked about goalies. If your goaltender can make a stop for you, you can win hockey games in this league. And their first overall pick that they acquired in the last draft is a very good D-man who's already good at 18 years old, 19 years old, and will continue to get better every single year. And they added depth. They added a guy like Jeff Skinner who's having a career year or is on pace to have one of the best years of this guy's career. So I think it's like a perfect storm of a bunch of things coming together. And another thing, Jason Pominville, this guy, old guy in the league, you don't expect much from him, having a monster year on the third line. So it's depth, it's your top guys getting it done, it's adding more guys on your blue line, and it's finally getting a goalie who can make a stop for you. And that's the recipe you need to win in this league. And their skill level has just gone through the roof compared to last year, the year before. So they're a really dangerous hockey team. And I'm I'm almost looking forward to the Leafs Sabres game one as I was. You never thought, I never thought I'd hear I know, you say it, that. I know, I said I was super stoked at the beginning of the year. I was like, okay, I just want to see Boston play the Leafs. That's the game I want to see because it really interests me. It's a good measuring stick. But here's kind of like an unknown like matchup with the Leafs and Sabres going head-to-head against each other. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out because they're super skilled too. The Leafs are also super skilled. The Leafs probably have the edge in goaltending a little bit, but the guy in the Sabres net, Carter Hutton, can make a stop. And they're looking for their 10th straight win. And they're on fire right now, man. Like they're they're a dangerous hockey team. And we thought this this we thought this division was a three team division, and it, it's not. It's a four team division. Well, I was just I was just gonna say that it's it's kind of hard to sit here and like say how the Leafs match up against them because they haven't played yet. So we'll we'll get finally get to see that next week. But the significance of the Sabers being as good as they are is that we went into the season thinking that the Atlantic Division would be a, a three way dance or um, a triple threat match. Yeah, you're getting those wrestling references right, buddy. It's a triple threat. Triple threat match, or a triangle match Yeah, at the top of the Atlantic Division between the Lightning, Leafs, and Bruins. And now it looks like it's going to be a fatal four-way between the Lightning, Leafs, Bruins, and Sabres. And that's or significant. Or a four-way be- dance. Exactly. And that's significant because we've been saying all year the Leafs need to win the division for playoff seating. Well, guess what, Ryan? 
the Leafs could end up winning the division and play Boston in the first round. Yeah, and they could very well end up in a in a wild card spot too, or they could very well win the division. Like it, it it's that close right now. Exactly. So it's it looks like just been, like the Habs have sort of have sort of started to fall back a little bit. So it does look like it's going to be a fatal four way between these four teams the rest of the way in the Atlantic Division. Yeah, the Sabres look legit, man. And there's another franchise that you almost feel bad for because They've been bad, man. They've been really bad. And it's, you want to talk about the polar opposite of Boston? Like, that's a city of complete losing sports teams. And the football team is horrible. And the hockey team has been horrible. And you almost feel bad for them. But now that they're turning it around, you're like, oh, nice. You know, Buffalo, I don't really hate them that much. But we'll just wait till the puck drops when they play each other for the first time, and we'll, we'll go back to hating the, the Sabres the way we did before. One thing that we won't hate, Ryan, is when Austin Matthews returns to the Maple Leafs lineup. How's that for a transition, buddy? Yeah, that was big league. It's, not, it's not, not my best work, but it's pretty hard to go from the Buffalo Sabres to Austin Matthews. Well, I guess they're both American, so we could I could have used that as a transition as well. Anyway... Austin Matthews looks set to return at some point this week. It's looking like it could potentially be Saturday against Minnesota. Um, they've got, they play Wednesday night against San Jose and then Saturday against Minnesota. So it's looking like it could be then, or it could be Tuesday against the Buffalo Sabres. What implications does this have on the lineup? Matthews coming back. One guy that we know who deep down probably isn't that excited about Matthews coming back is Nazem Kadri. Yeah, because he steps behind, but who who's stepping out of the lineup? The GOAT? Yeah, we've been hard on the GOAT, and the GOAT doesn't chip in much offensively, but... Well, it's not Par Lindholm. Babcock's in love with Par Lindholm. Yeah, I know. I know Par Lindholm. I, I've said I, I liked his game or parts of his game in the past, and I like him in the, in the face-off dot and uh, take that for what it is, but... When you're watching the 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 play to play ability and you compare Gautier and Lindholm, there's not much difference between them in terms of the plays they make on the ice. So I do see Freddie the Goat coming out, but I was. Do you kinda, think they send um, Freddie back down to the Marlies, or do does Freddie go up in the press box? No, nah, Freddie will. Freddie will go back up to the press box. I feel like Freddie has hit his. AHL quota and I don't think he's there's no point in sending this guy back to the A man like if you send him back to the A you might as well just put him under the lifer in the AHL category because he's been developing for like six years now and it's now or never with a player like this and he's not gonna exceed a fourth line role on any hockey team in the league but you got to make your decision here. And I agree with you. I think Lynn Holmes going to stay in and the goat will end up drawing out. Ryan, I'm going to let you tell everybody what time it is right now. It is time for everyone's favorite part of this podcast or the most feedback we've gotten on this podcast of everybody's favorite segment, the segment sweep in the nation. It is bums and beauties. Bums and beauties. Hit the music. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. 
All right, Ryan, I would like to go first. Pretty easy choice this time. Before I say it, I'd like to give a shout out to our buddy Tony on Instagram who hit us up a couple of days ago suggesting that this be one of the beauties. So, Tony, thank you for that. We're going to take your feedback. Andreas Janssen, you are my beauty of the week. You can't go wrong when you get a hat trick in the first 12 minutes of a hockey game. He looked like, uh, for, since he's been with the Marlies, we've heard so much hype about what this guy's ceiling is, and you saw it on Saturday night about what he's capable of. And it was just, it was. I was really happy for the guy. He looked really excited. He's a guy who's going to be sticking around here. The Leafs, If the Leafs are going to go deep and make a run, they're going to need his depth scoring on the third or fourth line wherever he ends up being slotted. So good for you, Andreas Janssen. You are my beauty of the week. The best part about this segment is one week a guy could be a bum, the next week it could be a beauty, or several weeks in between. So this week I'm coming back around, and my beauty is fourth-line legend Josh Levo. Yeah, I call him a bum at the start of the year, and that's because everyone who stuck up for him for sitting in the press box, but... Someone's got to sit in the press box every year. There's someone in the press box for every hockey team. But this year, no one is happier that William Nylander hasn't signed than this guy because he's gotten the opportunity he's been dying for. And we finally get to see what type of player he is. And he's my beauty because I just notice him on the ice a lot when he's on the ice. And I know his ice time isn't through the roof. The fourth line usually sits around the 10-minute mark in terms of ice time, but I find when he's on the ice, I, I notice him a fair bit. He's always kind of hard along the wall. He's in front of the net, getting his opportunities. He's the only leaf to drop the gloves this year, so I give him credit for that. He'll get in a guy's face, but he's mainly my beauty because it, it sometimes a guy can be invisible when he's out there and not do much, but I've been noticing this guy a lot, and he's been chipping in, and he scored some pretty decent goals. He scored again tonight. So Josh Levo, you've come back around in my books. You're my beauty of the week this week. That fourth line has been playing really well. Like they've added a spark and an energy with Levo and Ennis. Like they add some speed to that line. Poor, poor Freddie. I feel like we're always so hard on him. But like Levo and Freddie the Goat, that is not Freddie Anderson. I thought Freddie the Goat was okay tonight, though. I'll give him his due. Yeah, I thought, yeah, he's I thought right. he, he skates pretty you know, well. Give the whole line credit. Give yeah, the whole yeah, no, line I credit. think that, that line has I been think, very good, dude. I think that line as a whole is better than the the so-called third line right now with Brown, Lindholm, and Janssen. I know Janssen got that hat trick, but I think shift in, shift out, that line creates more in the O-zone than, than the Lindholm line does. All right. Again, another resoundingly positive episode of Talking Buds. This is where we got to get negative. Although, I'm going to take a different spin this week, and I'm not going to say anything negative about the Maple Leafs in my bum selection. My bum of the week goes to the Carolina Hurricanes victory celebration. I know I might take some heat for this, because there's some people who are going to be like, oh, it's fun, they're having fun, they're doing something new, you're just bitter because the Leafs played like crap that night. And like, if you want to have that take towards me, that's fine. I think it's ridiculous. I think it's a sad attempt by a loser organization to try and get their fans interested in something. Get out of here. Nobody cares. You suck. I'm over it. It's not funny. It's stupid. It's like a novice 
hockey thing to do. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a lot of fun for a bunch of five yeah. year olds who who win a big game. But like they're, <laughs> I just you know what, do your celebration. But I hate all the grown men out there who are like, this is just great, isn't it? What a great! It's so yeah. I'd fun. like to it's I'd like, like to tack no, it's on. Not, it's dumb. Anybody who thinks it's great, you're a bum too. All right, Ryan. Who? Yeah, you're yeah, you're a bum. Who you got? All right, my bum of the week is the Toronto Maple Leaf power play. Ooh. At the beginning of the year, we one of the first things we ever said on this podcast was how dynamic the power play was going to be. And they really miss Austin Matthews. They really miss that threat to shoot the puck. Just and for they clarity, they haven't Ryan. been very good. Just for they're, clarity, they're, you're talking about the first power play unit. Because PP2 got a well, goal th- that tonight. is the power yes. play, though. Like, PP2, like, hey, whatever. They, they Levo chipped in, or they've chipped in a couple times. But PP1 is basically the whole power play. And you hear a stat that they're, like, four for their last 30 or somewhere around there. That is not good enough. I know they're not getting a, a super amount of power plays anyway. But when they're out there, they're largely ineffective. And I think they're really missing that shot from Austin Matthews, that threat. Because Mitch Marner getting the puck on the half wall, turning around, kind of doing that fake shot pass is not nearly as effective without Matthews to be on the other side with an actual legit chance of shooting the puck and scoring a goal. So I think that power play is just, it's not working right now. Uh, They put Kapanen on there. I was actually going to bring that up before they decided to put Kapanen on that power play on this podcast was why not put Kapanen on that power play? Cause he could actually shoot the puck, but they didn't get a lot of chances tonight. So it was kind of hard for them to improve on anything, but overall over the last couple weeks, Toronto Maple Leaf power play, you are my bum. I don't get disagree with that take and I totally anticipate it improving when Matthews comes back. Yeah, because he he's not the classic OV, Lion A, Stamkos, one time off, uh, by the hash mark or by the face-off dot. He's a guy who can get the puck, turn around, take a wrist shot, and make your goaltender look stupid. So I'm looking forward to him coming back and adding to that power play again. It's time for Talking Buds. Totally unqualified takes. Well, Rye, this is the second or third week in a row that we've left it till the end of the show. Anyone who's been listening to Talking Buds since we started has probably noticed that in the last few weeks, we haven't really been doing our totally unqualified takes. The reason for that is because there is only one totally unqualified take for us to have right now, and that is, will he or won't he sign? The good news is, Ryan... We can see the finish line this Saturday at 5 p.m. We will finally have an answer to that question regarding William Nylander. Talks apparently have picked up over these last couple of days. The rumored figure being thrown around is 6.9 over six years. Apparently they're close. I even heard on the radio today that they're they're 500 grand apart. Who knows what's going to end up happening here. This negotiation has been... So tight, we haven't heard hardly anything except for what a pain in the ass William Nylander's dad has probably been. 
So are you still on the fence about if he'll sign or not? Yeah, it was kind of, it was weird that whole storyline with like Mark Savard tweeting out that he had the info from a source that Nylander was going to sign that that day. I can't remember exactly what day it was for 6.9 and the term was still kind of blurry. No one really knew. And then it didn't really happen. If you were expecting it to happen, it didn't happen. Um, To me, there's two options. He signs or he doesn't. He sits or he plays. He's not getting traded. That's not happening. So if to me, if he signs a contract the day of or the day before, then that's telling me that him being upset about the deal they're offering him, the way he's going to get back at them or the way he has gotten back at Kyle Dubas and the Leafs is fine. You're not going to pay me what you want. Then I'm going to wait till the very last minute to sign this contract, which really, if that was his plan, it's backfired because they're one of the best teams in the national hockey league without him, or you could not sign. And that's still my unqualified take. I don't think he's going to sign because of his dad or if it's him or if it's whatever it is, it's just not going to happen. So you're sticking with that. Yeah, I'm sticking with it. I still like what's changed. Why is every, I hate people who have just like, well, yeah, we're gonna they're gonna get that deal done. Like people are still assuming that it's just well, gonna get I think, done. Well, right. I think myself included. I, I just can't fathom him sitting out an entire year. I just think that would be the dumbest thing he could ever do. There's literally zero upside to him sitting out an entire year. You sit out an entire year. Yeah. Well, this right, whole thing has made out on, no sense. If you sit out an entire year, you lose out on all the money you could have made this year and you're right back in the same situation next year. And the, guess what they'll do next year? They'll say, okay, sit there. So I just think that the reason why it's people treat it like it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to sign is because it's just, it makes no sense for him to sit out an entire season. What I want to ask you is where are you at on that dollar figure? That's 6.9. The consensus that I saw today from Lee fans on social media is anything under seven is considered a win for the Leafs. But then you look at that Pasternak number that we talked about earlier in the year, or earlier in the show, excuse me, and it's like, William Nylander's not as good as David Pasternak, but inflation and the way the league works, it's it, I guess that's how it all goes. Well, I think 6.9 is, is overpaying him. I know we've been conditioned to him wanting $8 million. So anything lower than that number, we're kind of like, oh, nice, whatever, let's get him on. But I still think for what this guy means to this hockey team and what he's meant to this hockey team in the past, I still feel like that's a little bit rich for him. I would love to see him just come up at six flat, but that's not going to happen. If he does sign, it's probably going to be at that number. But I, 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 I just, I'm so tired of this I'm so happy it's finally coming to an end every week as if you listen to overdrive on TSN Jeff O'Neill makes the joke every week that this is the biggest week of the negotiation and it is well he said tonight on the broadcast he said tonight on the broadcast this player is not good enough to be dominating as dominating the narrative as much as he has and I agree with that Nylander is not a good enough player 
like we just taught for us to spend so much time talking about him and what he's going to do. It's just like, like I said, like, thank God this is finally going to come to an end. Yeah. It's the sexy topic and him, everything you laid out in terms of how it all makes sense that he's going to come back and how it makes no sense for him to sit out. But like what has made sense about this negotiation? Nothing. This is uncharted territory for restricted free agents in the National Hockey League. How many agents are sitting at... This offseason coming up is arguably the biggest offseason for restricted free agents in the history of the league. So many talented guys are coming up to restricted free agency. So there's a ton of agents sitting at home just watching this and loving this and taking notes and trying to get everything they can out of this because this is uncharted territory for restricted free agents in the National Hockey League. And I'm so tired of it. And I honestly believe he won't sign still because his dad's an idiot and this whole thing is dumb and I'm sick of it. I think you might be right, though. I think maybe his tactic was, I'm going to sit out as long as I possibly can just to show you that I'm not stoked on this number. But then again, if he goes ahead and signs for six years, that kind of doesn't make sense. So they were speculating tonight that it could be a bridge deal. I have no idea what it's going to be. I'm just repeating what I've heard over the last couple of days. So at the end of the day, who knows? Quite frankly, Ryan, who cares? Let's just get this over with and move on with our lives. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done, man. I can't even talk about it anymore. Like, I'm literally done. I, uh, that's it for me on this. I'm Good night. See you later. I'm done. All right. So before we uh, before we call it on episode nine, we touched on this a little earlier, but let's just go through it again. Wednesday night, the San Jose Sharks come to Scotiabank Arena. In weird, weird scheduling again. This week, they've got San Jose followed by Minnesota, two Western Conference teams. And then the following week, Buffalo, Detroit, and Boston again. We'll be back next Tuesday night after their first meeting against the Buffalo Sabres and can give even deeper analysis than we gave earlier with regards to the Leafs against the Sabres. So I'm actually really looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that hockey game too. And finally, some like more divisional games getting thrown into the mix here. I know playing the West, I don't, I don't know how everyone feels about it, but I, I want to see them get dirty in their division now. And I, you mentioned Boston. They're playing Boston again. That, that's three of the four games they're playing Boston this season out of the way early. But I'm happy to see them get another game against the Red Wings. You know, they, they stink. But I'm really looking forward to that, that, that Sabres game. December 3rd. The 13th, they go to Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, another one. Let's go. Let's see it. Let's let's measuring stick hockey games. Let's see where we are at with these other teams in our division. All right, then on that note, we can call it quits here on episode nine. Huge thank you to anybody for downloading and checking us out. We always appreciate your feedback on our social media, so keep going with that. Thank you very much. Ryan? This time next week, we will no longer need to talk about slash speculate on what William Nylander is going to be doing, and we can come back with a fresh, totally unqualified take. Looking forward to that as well. Yes. Thank, thank goodness that this thing's going to be over, man. We'll see you next week, everybody. I'm 
Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.